what are we really saying? What are we really saying? We're saying that in Gloucester, as it is in heaven, this is a prayer. This is a longing. We're saying this entire message is about how we are supposed to want God's will to be done and his kingdom to come in our lives, on earth, in Gloucester, in Belmar, in wherever you're from, as it is in heaven, in Camden, amen, in Lindenwald, right, in Clayton, wherever you're from. What are we saying, though? What does it look like for God's will to be done and his kingdom to come as it is in heaven? Well, let me just remind you as we're in this series what we're even saying here. We're saying, we're praying that in Gloucester it'd be like it is in heaven. And what is heaven like? Right? We know from the scriptures that in heaven there's no sickness. Amen? In heaven there's no addiction. In heaven, there's no racism. In heaven, everyone belongs. Everyone has a place. In heaven, there's no injustice. In heaven, there's no sense of things being unfair. And in heaven, our bodies are whole, our minds are whole, and our souls are whole. That's what we're praying. So I just want you to know, as you're praying for this all fall and into the winter, as you pray, oh Lord... In Gloucester, as it is in heaven, O Lord, in my life as it is in heaven, you are praying for wholeness, and you are praying for healing, but you're also praying for God's reign. So we love this prayer, but it also freaks us out. (laughs) Because if we're honest, there are parts of our lives where we're not so willing for his will to be done. There are parts of our lives where we're not so willing for his kingdom to come. That's why we are going to walk through this passage. We're going to walk through all these passages of Jesus' teaching so that we can understand what it is that Jesus wants from us. You can't pray for his will to be done if you don't even know what his will is. You don't even know what he's like and what he wants. But even in this prayer, we're doing something else. We're doing something else. We're recognizing that this world is not heaven. When we pray in Gloucester as it is in heaven, and when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, what are we recognizing right off the bat? Gloucester ain't heaven. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> not too, too strong. All right? <laughs> yeah, right next to a suburb. But no. We are recognizing that your life, this world, this earth, your block, even your family, we're not saying there's not good stuff there, but it ain't heaven. Otherwise, why would we pray? Why would we pray for his will to be done if we already were doing his will? Why would we pray for his kingdom to come if we were already doing his will? But we're not. So before you can be comforted, you have to mourn, right? A couple weeks ago, he talked about blessed are those who mourn. Before you can identify the problems that are outside there in the world, you have to identify the problem that is you and in your heart. So 
Real recently, we've seen the rise of what's called the Me Too movement. Hashtag Me Too, right? It's really lit things up. And it's really the end of the whip of decades-long movement of liberation, right, for women. And there's this sense of we want to be able to be ourselves and not just the object of other people for their abuse and their use. But here's the thing. We need a Me Too movement, not just a Me Too I was victimized. But we need a Me Too movement of Me Too, I was a victimizer. We need a Me Too movement of people who say, Me Too, I was an abuser. I did what I shouldn't have done. I went to places I shouldn't have been. I was hanging around people I shouldn't have been hanging around with. I said things I shouldn't have said. Me Too. <laughs> Amen? Because every single one of you can say to some degree that you've been abused, you've been hurt, you, things have happened to you, and every single one of you can also say, you know what? Also, <laughs> I'm a part of the problem. <laughs> I'm a part of the problem. I've done stuff I'm not, I'm not out of. So let's continue this study, this study in the greatest message that was ever given that changed the world, the one that the Lord preached on the mountain. So we're in Matthew 5, 17 to 20. Starting in 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. The word of the Lord. What comes from this text? I wanted to break it down for you. I mean, we could go into this text forever. This is a complicated text. Um, it, it's a little less complicated when you realize that he is, that our Lord is setting up what he's about to talk about. So he's about to break down the law. And, and here he's introducing that concept and he's saying, look, I didn't come to throw away the law. So he's going to take individual cases right after this. So next week he's going to take murder. And he says, it's not enough that you didn't actually like take the life out of someone right? But when you hate someone in your heart, you're wrong. And when you say something with your words, you're guilty. And so Jesus here is going to talk about how our righteousness 
witness needs to be more than just on paper, but it has to be in our heart, in our motivations, who we are, the core of who we are. That's where our righteousness needs to be. See, he fulfills, but he doesn't abolish. What is Jesus doing here? He is, first of all, he's affirming the authority of the Bible. So we had a theology on top discussion just this week. It was a great one. We talked about human origins. We talked about Adam. talked about the Old Testament. We talked about these stories, right? And when it got around to it, we're talking about what these stories mean and what it all is. And we've got a very diverse group of people with all kinds of different opinions. And that's the beauty of it. And I love it. And it's a lot of fun. But I talked about how I take that Adam was a man in faith. You know what it's, the faith is in? The faith is in Jesus. Because Jesus was extremely comfortable squashing people's traditions. Like, he didn't tiptoe around. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to, you know, you guys, I'm God and I know everything, but, but you are like little insects. And so the Bible's all figurative, but I'm not going to explain that to you because, no, Jesus was very comfortable ruffling people's feathers. And he does that through this entire sermon. He says not one jot not one tittle, right? Not one dotting of the I or crossing of the T, not the smallest little marking or notation of a letter or the smallest letter there is will pass away. So Jesus is affirming the authority of the whole scripture. But he's also in this language of fulfillment, he's also saying, I make sense of the whole thing. So if you read the whole Bible, it's going to be difficult for you to understand it unless you understand that this whole thing is about Jesus. This whole thing is opened and unlocked and, ha- and makes sense all of a sudden when you realize this is all about Jesus. It's all fulfilled in Jesus. So you have these crazy stories where, you know, Adam and Eve are out there and they get tempted by the devil. And what happens? What happens? God talks to Adam and Eve, and what does he say? He says, you, he tells Eve, he says, you're going to have a son one day. There's a seed in you. Your descendant is going to finally crush this evil one. And from the very beginning, and through every single story, we see a prediction. We see a prophecy, we see a picture of what Jesus would be, down to the details of what town he would be born in, foretold 600 years before he was born, to the kind of death he would die on the cross, to the way he would rise again and not stay in the grave. All these things are are fulfilled in Christ. to the whole entire sacrificial system. Um, Anybody vegetarian here? One vegetarian. You working on it? Okay. (laughs) All right, so if you're not a vegetarian, 
this is what you admit, okay? Or if you're a practical meat eater, but you want to be a vegetarian. This is what you have to admit to yourself. Every single week, something has to die so I keep living. Right? And, and in the Old Testament, they took that and they brought that symbolism out further and further and further. And there would be a barbecue and the, the, you'd have to bring your animals to the priest for the barbecue. And they'd let out the blood on the altar. And they would be taught that life is in the blood. And that you are guilty before God, but something has to be punished. Something has to be killed. Something has to die so that you would live. And then we read about Jesus who came into the scene, and what is he? He's offered up as a sacrifice for you and I. And so all these, you know, if you start and you just kind of spin the Bible and you put your finger down somewhere in the beginning of the Bible, and then you just start reading about all these sacrifices, you'd be tempted to say, this is disconnected from anything that matters in my life. But you'd be wrong. Because not one verse, not one chapter, not one book is irrelevant. Jesus here is confirming it is all authoritative, it all matters, and it's all about me because I fulfill all of it. Now, some people, and I want to just share this with you because you'll, you'll run into people who will say, I really like what Jesus say, but like Paul, some of his disciples, I'm, I don't really like what they had to say, you know? And the trouble with that is, first of all, Jesus decided, Jesus chose to allow his apostles, which just means his messengers, but they were a specific kind of messenger. They were appointed by him to represent him, to tell his story, and to teach what he taught. So if you want to you wanna go down that road, there's no road. It leads to nowhere. The earliest texts that we have are written by Paul. And then 40 years later, we get our first gospel. So you're not, you're not getting an ancient Jesus teaching that was later than perverted or had been spun by Paul. And, and, and I know it's like, man, you can, just, you can just flip on the History Channel and, and for a half hour and hear all kinds of stuff that's bonkers, which it's on there because there's like a little grain of truth, but it's very selective what they're telling you, <laughs> Right? It's very selective. And um, what I want to encourage you to do is, this stuff's important. You should think about this stuff. Jesus cannot be separated from the scriptures. So you can't have Jesus without the scriptures. That's the first point. The second point is, you can't have Jesus as Lord without him being your Savior. Jesus says here that he talks about the least and the great right? Least in, the, least in the kingdom of heaven, great in the kingdom of heaven. And some of us, like, we read that, we're struggling with that. <laughs> like, we're like, what is he talking about? Because we struggle with the very idea that Jesus would have any right to rate us. But this is the reality. 
Jesus not only has the right to rate us, and not only does he have the right to rate us, he does rate us. He does. Because the Bible says he does all the time. And he has every right to rate us. We have told and we like to think that it's about us. And you know what? It's not like Jesus isn't on Twitter waiting for you to click follow. You know? Like, a lot of preaching, a lot of this stuff is like, hey, try this out. That would be so great. You should really do this. And there is a sense in which, you know, I really want you to pay attention to him. I really want you to think about Jesus. I really want you to consider all this stuff. But it isn't like, man, Jesus is really insecure and he would really like it if you would follow him. He's really looking for followers. He really, he really wishes you had a good opinion of him. It doesn't work like that. He's the creator of the universe. Our confession of faith talks about pure and more pure churches. What this is, is an admission of the fact that, of course, there are false. There's just, there's just false stuff. I mean, turn on the TV sometimes. There's some whack false stuff that's teaching poisonous things. right? But then there's also teaching which is on target and less on target and yet people are still connecting to God through it right people are still being blessed and so you have all these different kinds of churches all different denominations you know can't all be right (laughs) some are right some are just dead wrong some of them a little more right than the others (laughs) What this should do in us, it ought to cause us humility and it ought to cause us striving. We ought to, we ought to realize like, that, like we don't know what we don't know, amen? We don't know what we don't know. We don't know where we're going wrong. And there ought to be this sense and this desire to strive. Jesus here is saying, your righteousness needs to go above and beyond that of the teachers of the law, basically of all the religious leaders of their day. If that doesn't make you humble, if that doesn't make you want to learn more, if that doesn't make you want to live right, you're not listening at all. Jesus is saying, be holy, be righteous, do what's right. And it ought to make us humble. But it's, a me- it's messed up and our wires get crossed when it makes us proud and makes us like feel settled. You know, like, okay, we've arrived. We're here. Thank God we're right. Now, I know you know the story. I know you know the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. They went to the temple to pray. What happened? What happened? The Pharisee goes in the temple. He notices the tax collector who's, let's be honest, like the tax collector is the one who betrayed his people sold out the Jews, his fellow Jews, so that he could make some money. And he represents the Romans who were hated. And the Pharisee is the loyal guy, the leader. 
the guy that ties, the guy that always goes to church, the guy that does everything right. And he's sitting in the temple and he's looking at the tax collector and he says, God, thank you that I'm not like that guy, (laughs) that loser, (laughs) that sellout. And what does the tax collector do? He beats his chest. Does God have mercy on me, a sinner? And Jesus says, do you know which one walked out of the temple justified? Do you know which one walked out of the temple righteous? Do you know the one that walked out of the temple forgiven? Which one was it? The tax collector. And this goes into the third and final point, that you cannot get into heaven without a new heart. He says, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. So he's about to break down all these these laws. He's about to break down all the teachings of the Old Testament and and bring into clarity what he meant. I I remember one time I was sitting in a cafe with um, this guy um, who was Muslim, and he gave me this, like, humorous yet, like, insightful picture He's like, you Christians have the most difficult religion for a man. And my ears are perked up like, what are you talking about? And he said, now listen to me. He said, in my faith, we can have four wives. We can have four wives. And I'm not, this is not like an antidote I made up to prove a point. This literally happened, okay? He said, you can have four wives. Um... And this was his understanding of Judaism. He said, for the Jews, they have their wife, and then they have their mistress. For Christians, y'all can't even look at another woman. (laughs) You know what? He was actually getting a hold of something that was true. The, The righteousness that God wants from us is not us just staying clear of stupidity. It's not just us staying clear, living a clean life. It's not just us doing the right things so that we're good, respectable people. It's not just about us being outwardly godly. But Jesus said all the time, you Pharisees, you teachers of the law, you're like the cup that you clean on the outside yet on the inside it's got all kinds of mold and chunks and all kinds of nasty stuff from the last thing you drank you fill it up and you drink from it he said clean the inside of the cup he also said you are like a tomb that was whitewashed right so if you go to the tombs they would, they would put people in the caves and then they would cover it up with stones and then you could, you could just put a, a bunch of white paint over it. Maybe some beautiful plants and stuff like that. And from the outside, it's like, that's real pleasant, right? And even when we go to our well-taken-care-of grave sites and cemeteries, they're real pleasant. The grass is cut, cut. People come and they leave flowers. They keep it up. But... Six feet under is some stuff that ain't so pretty. It's bones. It's decaying. He says, that's your spiritual life. Don't be like that. And and I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you tonight. Don't be like 
the one who is righteous on the outside is always trying to make other people and convince other people, maybe convince yourself that you're good enough. Here's the good news. You're not good enough, and yet God died for you anyway. Here's the good news. You're a mess, and yet Jesus loves you. Here's the good news. He came, and he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law for you. There is no way to be righteous enough to please God without a new heart. And the only way you get a new heart is you come to him and you ask God for forgiveness. And you ask him to be a part of your life. And then all of a sudden, you want to do things you never wanted to do before. All of a sudden, you want to call somebody you never wanted to call before. All of a sudden, you want to open up the Bible, and you never had time for that before. All of a sudden, you want to come to church, and you always had something else going on before. You have a new heart, and you have new desires. This heart religion is radical. It is foreign. It's not a righteousness you can earn. You can't pray enough. You can't cry enough. You can't go to church enough. There's no secret formula for it. You just have to ask God to forgive you and accept you. That's it. Do you hear me? That's it. And I want to encourage you. My brother Robbie always talks about the cloud of condemnation, right? Some of us, we live in that. We live like there's a dark cloud over us. We feel condemned all the time. And you don't have to feel condemned. God has made it perfectly clear how he feels about you. He died for you so that you would live. So what do we do with all this stuff? Like, how do, like okay, this is really nice. So, so Jesus fulfills the law. He doesn't abolish it. He affirms all the authority of the scripture. All the scripture is also about him because it's fulfilling it. And yeah, God gets, to, God gets to judge us. But here's the good news. If we come to him humbly and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive us. And not just one time. How many times, guys? Yeah, like every minute. <laughs> I don't know how your minds are, but mine's, mine wanders all the time. And I got to ask him to forgive me all the time. I have to ask him to forgive me all the time. And I pray that that's your habit too. And not just pray, asking him to forgive you and then wondering if he really did. Believe he has forgiven you because he has what I want you to take away from this passage, first thing I want you to take a bigger view of the Bible, that, that you would believe. See, Jesus believed in the Bible. So if you believe in Jesus, if you like Jesus, if you read the scriptures and you read about Jesus and you're blown away by him and you love him and you want to serve him and he's the kind of person that you're like, I, I, there's no way he was just a man. There's no way. Read it, the story of his life. Read the gospel of Mark, super short just blown away by him if you love Jesus believe the whole thing because Jesus believed the whole thing God's word is true and it lasts forever you know what it's gonna last you and I we're like grass right we dry up 
blown away by the wind. It's going to last this country. It's going to outlast all this world. Amen? A bigger view. I want you to have a bigger view of Jesus. I want you to say this because this is true to myself. And I don't say this to beat you up. This is absolutely true of Joe Marlin. Your view of Jesus is too small. My view of Jesus is too small. He's not just a teacher. And he's not just a magician. He's not just your savior. But he's also your Lord. And, and this is the thing. We, we, we all want Jesus for one thing or the other. I, I know this. They're, they're the kind of Christians who love Jesus' teaching. They, they're, they're like every sermon all year round is Sermon on the Mount. Every, all the time they're talking about justice and fairness and, and be good to other people and love people. But then when you start talking about Jesus dying on the cross or him healing people or him casting out darkness out of people, they're like, yeah, we're beyond that. You know, that kind of stuff is, it's, it's, that's primitive. But we, what would Jesus was a good teacher. And you cannot divorce Jesus. You cannot divorce him from what he teaches or what he does. Then we have other kinds of Christians that are like, yes, healing. Yes, I want to feel loved. Yes, he died in my place. Yes, grace. And yes, for some more grace. But then, what Jesus teaches about divorce, don't want to listen. Amen? Jesus teaches about anger. Well, Jesus understands. I'm Irish. You know, I get the exemption. It's like little tricks next to my name. Rolls of heaven. Not Irish O'Neill, but to clear that up. <laughs> we, 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 we want to pick and choose and like have a cafeteria Jesus. Like we just get to order the things we like and we don't get to do that. You, you, can't, you can't split them up. You got to take them whole he is. You need a, a bigger view of your need. You need to realize you're a sinner before a holy God. And lastly, you need a bigger view of God's supply of that need I know I talk to people all the time they say well I'm gonna come to church like if I come to church church will fall on me if I come to church lightning will strike right listen nope you ain't so bad that the offering of God himself dying for you wasn't enough. I don't care how bad you are. That's insane. God died for you. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care if you murdered people. I mean, I was in Congo where there was a civil war and we were in a room where um, a week later is my wife here? Cool, I can tell this. Oh shoot, she's here. A week before we were in this room I don't know if she ever heard this story um, someone threw a grenade in there and it blew up. Like this place is crazy. <laughs> Life is like hanging on a, on like floss. You know? 
You could fall off on either side at any moment. And through the years, 10 years in West Kensington, the last couple years here in Gloucester, I've heard every type of confession of being victimized and being the victimizer. And I've been in prison, and I want to just say that Jesus came to save everyone, and no one is too far gone for him. So we need a bigger view of God's supply. And that's why he supplied for us this meal that we love at this church, and it's not... It's just what we do, and we believe that the early church did it and stand in good tradition to come every week and remind ourselves that we needed him. We needed him not just to come and be a good example and teach us some stuff, but we needed him to die. Remember I said, uh, except for Emily, all the rest of us have accepted the fact that something has to die every week for us to keep living. <laughs> Emily's a saint. <laughs> but um, you also need to accept. You need to accept that Jesus had to die so that you could be whole, that you could be forgiven, that you could be healed. Amen.